0: bibles to genesis chapter 2 and maybe a few thoughts before i jump into the message i figured alvin's probably had enough preaching at him and maybe this afternoon i don't know what the brothers got in mind to preach this afternoon Um, but a lot of times in an ordination you know there's a lot of preaching to the person that's getting ordained and the message i have this morning is for the person and his family getting ordained but it's for all of us it's really for all of us men um maybe just a few thoughts on uh before i jump into the message message is really, it's going to be about marriage. I'm going to just have a short message on marriage. But before we do that, you know, growing up, I remember, and most of us probably remember being in ordinations growing up as children, and you see, you know, I grew up as an Amish kid, and I remember, like, my dad was in the lot, and there was, like, five of them, and they were all crying, and I'm just like, what's this all about? It's really sad. And I'm not saying, I'm not taking away that there is you do get ordained. I know the feeling. I'd rather not be ordained either. It's easier to sit back here than to, than to lead out and maybe just dive into the word and know your answers a little bit better or whatever. But I think there's a lot of responsibility gets lifted um, and maybe that's not the right way to say it when we realize that it's not about us. Um, there's a reason that the, that the Bible, God's word is called the kingdom of God kingdom of God. Has anybody ever went to a nation that is a kingdom like England or somebody? Anybody? Okay. It's a different way of life than what we're used to living. We don't really think in kingdom terms because we don't live in a kingdom. We live in a free enterprise world, a democracy. It's by the people, for the people, and we think what we say matters, and we think how we feel about things matters because we have rights and all this. But in a kingdom, you don't have rights, really. In a kingdom, it's by the king for the king. Say that with me. By the king for the king. See, we know by the people for the people. So we get all wrapped up in our own ideologies and our own ways of doing things. And, well, we feel like this. And us three preachers agreed on this. And we feel like it's got to be this way. But a lot of that responsibility is, is lifted when we realize it's not about us. It better line up with this. If it don't line up with this, don't preach it. That makes it real, it actually takes a lot of weight off of the leaders of the church. But it adds a new weight. Do you understand? You with me? To preach it and to preach it right. Revelation said, anybody that adds or takes away from this word shall be cursed. So it's it's really a very Jesus' gospel is so simple. The simplest person can understand it, the most sophisticated man maybe have a harder time to understand it than the most simple person. Because it's the kingdom of God. Every kingdom, it's interesting, and I just tell you, I'm not going to preach much about this. I did think about preaching about it, but I'm not going to. Every kingdom has um, an army. And in a kingdom, the more you become a good citizen of the kingdom, the more favor you find with the king and the queen. So the more you're a good citizen, more favor you find with the king and the queen. And the king and the queen have an army that the good citizens are not really a part of to protect the citizens. God has an army for all of us. The kingdom of God is similar I think to uh, the earthly kingdom that we can look into because there is nations that are a kingdom. There's an army that is protecting you and I. We tend to think, oh we owe the army. I'm not disagreeing that That we are in a fight, and we do fight against these spiritual things, and and we are, I agree with you, but I think there's an army that we often don't see. You've been protected driving down the road, and you didn't know it, right? Often. So, like, this kingdom aspect for me, it took, like, I told Alvin this morning, I remember getting ordained, and I thought to myself, well, how am I going to change all these people? It ain't my responsibility to change all these people. It's my responsibility to preach the word, to sow the seed, and let it up to God. So it doesn't have to be a, a big, sad day. I think it can be a joy. Because when you pour yourself into the Word of God, I know for me, the more I do, the more I get out of it. I hope you do too. But it can be a really good day. So I know you'll really be responsible with that. And that's kind of all I got for you this morning. Um, turn, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to lay a little foundation on marriage this morning. And I also believe that if you're going to be a leader in the church, you better have be a good leader in your home. Um, you And there's actually a scripture on that. I didn't look into that scripture too much. But it's very important for us men, because we're all leaders in our own home, to be those leaders. And to understand some of the foundation of marriage. And what I'm preaching to you is nothing new. Nothing new. I'm going to set some foundation. And I'm going to give you some of my opinions whether you want my opinions or like my opinions or don't want to you don't have to listen to them. and give you some opinions. Um, so, yeah, anyway, let's jump to Genesis chapter 2 for, for just a little bit of an established foundation here. Chap, uh, verses 15 through 25. And the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest But of the tree of knowledge, of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air. Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead of it. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made him woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall That's where the foundation was established, right? We all know the story. Man was alone with all the animals, and God said, that ain't good enough. He needs somebody else to complete him, and then he made woman. Now, flip to Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 23. And this really establishes in the New Testament the headship order in the home. I'm not going to preach much to you ladies, but um, much because I believe like if you want to learn I'm probably not the right guy to come ask opinions about how women should you know how they should have a better marriage and all that the Bible says if a woman wants to learn they should go ask an older woman let the older teach the younger I'm not saying a pastor can't stand up here and preach a message to the ladies but that's not this this morning um, so if, if I would highly advise you ladies, if maybe you're struggling in your marriage or you don't understand something or, or whatever, might be in the home or whatever, and, and you and your husband talk about it or whatever, go to somebody that you look up to as an older woman that you say, man, she has what I want. You could probably find some things out that will help you in your life. That's all I'm going to say this morning to the women, really. All right, Genesis, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I guess that's back to the wives. I told you I wasn't going to preach to you, but Alvin, you understand this wives? Submit yourselves unto their own husbands. Not to Alvin. Not to well, Aaron's not a preacher here. Not to Aaron. To your own husbands. That's what it says. This ain't my word. It says to your own husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore as the church is subject unto Christ so let the wife be unto their own husbands and everything. Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's pretty deep right there. He gave his life for the church. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it To himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. And he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man hath ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man lead his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife. The two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery that I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. It's pretty simple, like it's pretty excellent. It explains it. got married, you go, well, it was really simple. Deb's brother, Tony, got married. and wasn't real hard to see, was it, uh, Marvin? They really liked each other or loved each other. And they're on their honeymoon right now. And we all know how that is. Go, you know, most of us in here that are, you know, well, I guess all of us that are married in here, we know how it is. You're, you're in love and you get married. God wants us to continue that through our marriage. So many times, you don't have to look very far in society see that marriages are like falling apart, fell apart, falling apart. And it's really sad. Like the marriage, the strength of the marriage equals the strength of the home. That flows into our society, strength of our country, all those things. So I think it's a pretty important subject to give it some heat, to give it some attention. Um, Great relationships take great care and work we all know that you're not going to get anything out of your business that you're not going to put into it. Most of us, a lot of us in here might have our own businesses and you're like, you're willing to work hard at it and you're willing to do whatever it takes to, to, you know, grow your business and to be responsible there. But how much time do we actually put into growing the marriage? And I would dare say I've seen a many a man grow a very successful business and lack over here. And the real reason for us, for having our own business, a lot of us, is to have the time to be with our families, but yet we tend to forget that so often. And we put all this time in over here, and someday I wanna do that. Well, guess what? You don't get to go back and grow up with those kids. You don't get to go back and redo it. It's really easy. My wife and I have it. I can't wait till the kids are a little older, right? Have less responsibilities, because it's hard when you have little children. It's a lot of work when they get up at night, and you gotta get up at night, and you know, all these things. But guess what? Looking forward to down the road, robs you of the present. And it's really important. You don't get to build your business and then come back and go, okay, now I'm gonna do the family. It's not really how it works. So great relationships take great care and they take a lot of work. They take a lot of intentionality. The more intimate the relationship, the greater opportunity for offense. How many times were you offended when you were dating? Anybody? Not very often. Not very often, right? You you with me? I I don't remember one time being offended when Deb and I were dating. But I've sure been offended a few times since we're married. (laughs) And she has too. Because we're as human as you guys are. You know, just because you get ordained preacher, don't mean when your problems go away, actually, I think a few more might get added. The more intimate the relationship, the greater opportunity for offense. Before you lived together, you saw each other every weekend. Or whatever. And you had a good time for a day or a half a day, and then you went back to work. Now you live together, and there's these little things that you're just like, can't you clean up the sink, right? Don't you see the hairs in there, right? Little things, right? There's little things that come up all the time. When you have children, I, you know, we're different in discipline. I let him get away with something. She's like, you can't let them get away. I think... Well, you're too harsh on them, so i got to be more lenient. I'm kind of going to, you know, kind of just, right? There's all kinds of things that, that come up after you're married because the relationship gets much more intimate. You've all had friends that you've met, and you went away. The first night you met the guy or the girl, and you're like, oh, those are great people. But then you've got to socialize. and You've got to have a lot of time together. And all of a sudden, there are things that annoy you about these people. You with me? because the relationship is getting more intimate. The more intimate the relationship, the more opportunity for offenses. Um, oftentimes, the personalities that drew us together, I think it's the way God designed man and woman, is to be attracted to opposite personalities. Right? If we took this room and we divided the room into the four main personality groups, almost always, the husband is in one end of the room, and the wife is over here. And these are opposite. Almost always. Not always, but eight or nine times out of ten, it's like that. And you go, oh, my wife and I, when she met me, she thought, man, he'd never met a stranger. And he was just smooth with people. And right. And I'm just like, I, I just walk up and have a conversation with anybody. I saw her, and I'm just like, man, she's got her stuff together. She dresses perfect, and there ain't hair out of place, you know. And, and, you know, and I'm like, that's, that's really neat. I mean, she, she's always like, she's flawless. And then we get married, and not very long down the road, she's like, hey, I'll go in and get that. We forgot something in church. I'll I'll run back in, because if you run back in, you're going to start talking to people, right? (laughs) Right? Or we go somewhere, and I'm like, I think I know that guy. I'm like, why would you go talk to that guy, right? And then I'm like, hey, we don't have to have the house perfect before we go to bed. Just let, let it go, especially for children, you know? Toys out, don't matter. No, it's got to be perfect, right? And all of a sudden, these things that like drew you together when you were dating, now is like starting to a little frustration here because like, do you have to talk to everybody, or do you do we always have to be going? You know, my wife loves nothing better than a candlelit night at home, eating granola. And, well, she loves. She's a homebody. She loves to just be home. I think me and Element are a lot of like, we love to just like, we love to party. We love to go out. We love to be around other people, you know, maybe a little bit of social butterflies. And like, that's great, man. I like things going. I love to travel. We actually both really love to travel. Um, and Devil likes going places that we don't meet anybody that we know. And then we end up making a bunch of friends there, you know? So you learn, you need to learn to balance these things. There's a reason God is God marriage, and put that in us. I don't know how I put that in us, but we often are attracted to kind of the opposites a little bit. But that also is what we need in our marriages to be balanced out. If if she was like I am, we'd always be going, and we probably wouldn't have too much of a family life at home. We'd for sure never sit around the table, you know, because we'd just always be going. But if it was up to her, we wouldn't have any friends. No, not really. (laughs) You're with me, Right? So, personalities, the very things that attracted you to each other, can drive you apart if you don't learn to balance those things. Communicate. If you're in this right now, we're in it all the time. Communicate. Hey, I think we've had a lot going on this week. I'd really like if we take the next couple nights and just be at home. Okay, good. You know? Or I might be like, hey, I, I kind of feel the need to get together with some people. I think they'd be great. Hey, communicate. Communicate. Because you can find balances told you I'm going to give you some of my own opinions, so if you don't like what I'm saying, you don't have to listen to what I'm saying. Your spouse has never intended to give you what only God can give you. I've stumbled on this one a, few times, a bunch of times. Because I always thought, man, if she ain't happy, I ain't happy. We heard the saying, when the wife ain't happy, ain't nobody. Right? And a few of us have probably said that a few times. But that's not how it should be. Because your joy and your happiness should not come, first of all, from your spouse. Don't look at your spouse for your joy and your happiness. If you're, you got married because you wanted to fill that void in your life, it'll work for a little while, but then it's not going to work. God, there is a God-shaped hole in your heart that only God can fill. So you look to God for that joy and that peace and that happiness not from your spouse. If you're going to depend on each other to keep each other happy, you might be happy about 40% of the time. Right? But your spouse was never intended to take the place of God in your life. And when God is in the right place in your life, your spouse will know that. You'll know that. And your marriage is going to be a whole lot better than if you're looking at each other to make each other happy. You know? So, spouse was never intended to give you what only God can give you. For me, that's a big one. I love to see my wife happy. She loves to see me happy. You know, and when she's like, I see she's discouraged about something, I want to like try to get her in a good mood. I can be a little funny sometimes. That don't work. That don't work. It's okay. Women are made differently than men. It's okay. Right? We have our bad days too sometimes. Alright, I'm going to just give you some practical things that I think are things to do to grow a healthy relationship and to maintain a healthy relationship in your marriage. And again, this is kind of man talk, so if you women don't want to listen, you don't have to plug your ears or whatever. Um, Do what you used to do, and I guess I wouldn't be talking to the women too. Do what you used to do, what you did to get each other. You can remember back when you were dating, when you used to like pursue each other. Men love to pursue things. Men love to pursue things. That's why we love the challenge of growing a business. That's why we love the challenge of golf. Who all likes to golf? Have you ever conquered golf? Me and my boys go golfing. I love to golf. And there's times I'll have a great game, and the next time I'm like, hmm, so frustrated. But I go again, and I go again, and I go again, because we love to pursue things. Men are attracted to things to pursue. Honey, there's always a big buck out there. There's always a bigger fish in the river, right? And you just pursue it, and you go, and you live for the weekend, because you're just like, I'm going to catch them this time. You know, We tend to love to pursue things, love, love, love it, okay? But I think what we do a lot of times is when we get married, we check that off. That's done. That's accomplished. I've done God, Right? And we tend to forget to continue to pursue. God in all his wisdom, I think made women, in a way, that we can't really figure out. Right? Because he wants you as a man to continue pursuit. And I'm not trying to be down on the women. We love you guys. We couldn't do it without you guys. And I told you, it's going to be a little bit of man talk here, but I think God in all his wisdom, at the end of Solomon's life, what did he say? There was three things he couldn't figure out. One of them was a man with a mate. It's like, I never really did figure it out. And he probably was pretty confused. He had a lot of them. But seriously, we love to pursue things, but I think oftentimes we put this in a box, checked because we got a marriage. And we tend to stop pursuing. Women love to be pursued. I think I could probably say that for all the women in here. My wife says so. Continue to do that. You did that to get her. It's going to be a lifelong. I remember being home uh, on the way home from Columbus one time at a meeting, and two of the guys that were at the meeting looked like they were whooped. And the one guy said he put his head on the table and he was just like, "I'm just wore out." And I'm like, "What's what's your?" I mean, they're both about forty years old. They both have children, married. He said, I came from divorce court today and you got a divorce. And the other guy sitting inside and said, yeah, I think my marriage just hit a third key. And I, on the way home, I wanted to cry for those two guys. Not just for their marriages, but there's children at stake here, right? And I was like racking my brain, like, why? Both of those guys said she's not the same woman I married. I can't ever figure her out. And on the way home, that was probably, I don't know, six, five, six years ago, I, you know, literally just kind of a realization came to mind. Maybe God never intended us to figure it out. Women out, because he wants us it to be a lifelong pursuit. We love to pursue things we can't figure out. Don't put your marriage in the same category. I'm going to figure it out like a business, and, you know. But why do we keep golfing? Why do we keep hunting? Why do we keep fishing? There's all I've hunted many, many days, and I'm still a bigger one out there, right? And I love the challenge of that. I don't think God intended your marriage to be a whole lot different. It's a life. Listen to listen, not to fix it. And we'll probably never get this. Because we don't really, maybe can't really make sense of this. We're problem solvers. God made us to be problem solvers. Right, Martin? If you complain to me about something, I'm going to tell you what I think is the idea to fix this problem. Yeah, and I'll be there to fix it. Yep, and you'll be there to fix it. And I guarantee you we'll fix it. Your marriage ain't like that. have to go up there. And all I heard was, don't go there. Right? Remember this, Deb? And I'm, we're laying in bed, and I'm like, well, and I explained to her all the reasons why I got to go up there. I had like seven roofs to look at. Finally, she was like, you just don't get it, do you? And I'm like, I guess not. And I think none of us are above asking for help. And I just asked her, I said, this was the first time that I heard this, I think, honestly, listen to listen. And she said, you're not even listening to me. And I said, okay, I'm sorry. Let's start over. It's exactly what I said. I said, how should I have responded? I just did the best I know. Because I can speak for us men. I think we all just do the best we know, right? That's what we all do. We do the best we know. And if you don't know better, and if it's not working, ask your spouse. Okay, what should I have done doing? How should I have responded? And she was like, well, you're just trying to fix it. See, in my mind, I'm thinking, but if I don't fix it, nothing changes. If I don't stay home, she's just going to keep complaining. It's not like that. She said, just listen. And I said, okay. And I said, what did you say? And she said, I wish you didn't have to go. And I just put my arms on her and I said, yeah, yeah me too. And it was, okay. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit easier than I thought it would be. <laughs> it's not that complicated. But God made you a problem. It's okay. Right? You ever watch women talk to each other? they have a problem, the other one is, oh, oh, you know, and you just kind of console each other. I don't know. You as a man need to get good at doing that, too. It's okay. Choose your words wisely. You don't get to put them back in. You know, it's, words are kind of like toothpaste. Once you squeeze it out, you ain't going to get it back in. So, choose them wisely. Right? Think a little bit. Pray together. Looked each other up in prayer um, Ecclesiastes says like, and it's not talking about marriage here but it is talking about prayer it says when two people pray together or or, and I think it applies in marriage when one falls, the other one can pray and help them get back up that's how it works in marriage pray together and there's something very strengthening when we have a difference that we like maybe don't agree with and, and we don't fight very often I mean the last time we had a fight she came over to me on her hands and knees and said get out of under the bed Fight like a man. No, Um, it's not true. (laughs) Um, But yeah, pray together when you have these differences, because everybody's going to have differences, right? When you have these differences, pray together. Take them to God. Pray about it. And a lot of times, the next day you can't even remember what you were fussing about. You with me? They're like, I don't even. What was that about? Often they're not as big as we think. Maybe you just need to take a little bit of time. I love to talk it out right then. Dev likes to take time. It's okay. Sometimes we talk about it right then, and sometimes we take time. You know? It's okay. Date nights. Once we had children, somebody advised us take regular date nights. And so we've pretty consistently, um, for the past, I don't know, seven, eight years, twice a month, our children go to one of my siblings' places, and we have a date night. And most of my siblings do the same thing and they'll bring their children over or whatever. And we'll go somewhere, we'll eat something in the summer, we'll go on the golf course or we'll go on a canoe ride or pack a picnic lunch, or go walk a trail, whatever. Um, but we do date nights, we try to do it twice a month. And we really enjoy that, like love it. Children go away, it's just us two for, the other night we just stayed home and I cooked at home and in a quiet house. and It was good, right? Just It doesn't have to be, Expensive and extravagant. It's just the two of you times. This is a really big one, I think. Live morally pure. And I can talk to both sides here, but I'm really just really talking to the man. I'm a man. I understand this subject very well. Live morally pure It's really, really important. Um, we live in a society today that you don't have to look around very long to get your to grab your attention. And it's yeah, there's a million things out there that wants to distract you. And the devils that work in men in our marriages with this subject right here live morally pure. It's really important. There's a story of a snake. Um, I think it was a python. or an an- I think it was a python. And this this uh, I think it was a girl had a pet python, and she thought that like that she got to know this python really good, got to handle it. It was a big python, and she thought it would be great. And I'm kind of likening the python to sin. Okay. She thought it'd be great if she could take this python and sleep with it. And she would take this python to bed, and it would curl down here on the bed, and she'd sleep there, and she'd let this python sleep in her bed. Right? And you go, oh, that's crazy. Right? And the thing stopped eating. And she's like, I don't know what's wrong with this python. So she takes it to the vet. Hadn't eaten in a couple days. And the vet looks at him and says, I can't. There's nothing wrong. With it. Goes back home and sleeps like that for another couple nights. And the thing still wouldn't eat. So she takes it to the vet. And she noticed that the one morning, when she woke up, the thing was stretched out like beside her, long. And so when she goes to the vet, the vet said, well, is there any unusual behavior? Then she said, well, she lets him sleep in her bed sometimes. And she has woke up a couple times and it was stretched out beside her. And the vet's like, oh, got a big eyes. So and like, you let her sleep in her bed? And she's like, yeah. I said, well, but what pythons do is they'll do that to measure their prey. And the reason she's not eating is that she's going to try to eat you. And that's like sin. You think it's not that big. You're just gonna, it's just little. And I'm talking about the issue of morally pure. David said, not a hint. Okay? I'm a guy. I'm right with you, all of you guys. I, you know, I'm not standing here as a pastor and saying, oh, I got this all down pat. David says, not a hint. I think this is a really, really important issue. And just like that python, you think, oh, a little bit don't matter. It's going to eat you someday. And it's not going to end well. provide financially, I think we live in a day and an age to where whether you have your own business or whether you work for somebody, you can provide for your family that you can live very comfortably. And I think this is a, this is an issue that a lot of marriages fight um, about is money or have disagreements about is money. And I think us as men, if we just step up and we're responsible, like I said, whether you have your own business or whether you work for somebody. You can bring in way plenty of money to have your family living comfortably that you can be at home with your family. You don't have to be stressed about where's the next dollar coming from. But that takes responsibility, and it takes us as men stepping up saying, I'm going to commit to this. You know, And you may have to... You know, When we got married, I worked a lot of Saturdays. I worked with Alvin a lot of Saturdays. And I remember one time going to work, and my twin brother was in the back seat with us, and he had asked my... Um, brother Conrad to get a little money out of his account. Like, hey, get me some cash from the bank. So Conrad gives him the slip. Uh, his, his bank receipt, and he had, I think he had $15,000 in his banking account. And another guy that was riding with us goes, you got 15 grand in there? And Matt was like, my brother was like, yeah, he was single at the time. He's like, well, I wouldn't be going to work if I had 15,000 in my account. And I thought to myself, well, that's why you ain't got 15,000 in your account. Right? Just provide financially for your, commit to that. Commit to getting your family. Maybe you need it over the next couple years, work your butt off. You know? Work hard. And get your family in a place where you don't have to have that stress of where's the next payment going to get made. And I know there's things that happen that you can't help. I'm not talking about financial things that happen that you can't help or whatever it is. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking and saying we, as men, do have that responsibility on us. Ask to help with household duties. Like, we're not above that. Sweep the floor. This is, we think, oh, this is so little. But to a, a wife, I think it's a big deal. You know, little things. Ask her to help. You know, I love coming home from work and just kicking my feet up. And, hey, I did my thing. You know, I'm providing. And it might not even take that long, but it'll mean a lot. Um, last thing I have on just the, some practical things here is go to bed together. Like evenings, when it's bedtime, try to go to bed at the same time. I think this might be a bigger deal than what we think it is. I have friends that I've talked to, and they're like, oh, I always stay up till 1 o'clock, and my wife goes to bed at 9 or 10 o'clock when the kids go to bed. I stay up. I'm always up till midnight. I guarantee that's not healthy for a relationship. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. Maybe I am. I don't know. But I think that's a pretty big deal. Go to bed together, at least close to the same time. I think that's a good thing. So in closing, if you find your marriage, like you're like, man, it's just not where it was. Husband, wife. Just remember, it's, it really is pretty simple. Go remember what you did to get your spouse and go back and do some of those things again. You know, maybe answer the phone when the phone rings. Because back then, like if my phone rang and it was her like, hey baby, I'm on the scaffolding, I didn't care, right? You know, hey, you know, whatever. Make it important, whatever it was. You know, you said had you got a date night. Be home at 5 o'clock. Make, make the things important that used to be important because without that intentionality, things just kind of get stale, things get lukewarm, things kind of, you know, lose their heat. And all of a sudden, you know, that's not that great of a family environment. And I think the best thing that we can do for our, for our children's future is to be that example for them. That's all I have this morning. I'll turn the time back in.